We'd love to have you come and be a part of that second harvest ministry. It's the second Thursday of every month, and you heard there are shifts from 11 a.m. through 8.30 p.m., and so you can come and be a part of that throughout those days. Good morning, by the way. Uh, my name's Matt, and I work here, and it is great to have you uh, come and worship Jesus with us over the course of this morning. Friends, uh, I just want to check in and see how you're doing uh, in terms of food coma. How, how was Thanksgiving? Everyone looks bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. Is that a thing? Ah, that's wonderful. It's great to have you here. Also, one of the things that I am super thankful for is the way the people of Friendship Church uh, respond. When someone puts out a call in order to make an impact in some way, I'm grateful for the way that you respond. And that call went out to pack Operation Christmas Child boxes a few weeks ago. And over the course of the last few weeks, uh, you guys packed 364 boxes. You saw them all stacked out there. And now as those boxes are delivered, every time they're delivered, they're delivered along with the message of Jesus Christ, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so we want to take a minute and just pray for that distribution. We have an opportunity to pack the boxes. Most of us are not going to be there when those boxes are presented, but the Lord is there. And, and we want to be praying for those distributions and for the gospel to be clear and impactful. So would you pray with me? Father, we're so thankful for the fact that you include us as a part of your work. But what goodness there is in that. Sometimes it's in little ways and sometimes it's in big ways. And we're thankful for all the different ways, Holy Spirit, that you use us. And Lord, as these boxes go out that have been packed, the ones that we've packed, the ones that so many others have packed, we ask that the gospel message would be clear. We ask that the gospel message would make an impact in people's hearts and minds and that people would repent and turn to you. Lord, that there will be more people who, who know you and love you and worship you because of this. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I don't know about you, but I, I am still suffering from a little bit of a food coma. We had a number of the young adults at our house last night, and it was a great time, but we ate so much turkey and so much ham and mashed potatoes uh, that oh, there's just like this, this brain fog that goes on when you've eaten that much. And the only way to get around this is to stand up and move around a little bit. So I'd like to invite all of you to stand with me. And would you guys spend a minute and just greet the people who are around you? Say hi to those who are around you, would you? All right, we're uh, bringing you back to your seats at this point. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25 says that one of the reasons we gather is so that we can encourage one another. We have an opportunity to do that. A moment ago, we'll have an opportunity to do that throughout this time that we look at the Lord's Word in this sermon series about the Holy Spirit. Over the last few weeks, we've been looking at what the Holy Spirit has to say about Himself in the Word that He inspired. In a sermon series called, The Holy Spirit, God in Us. Right? Well, that's going to be a focus today. The Holy Spirit, God in Us. 
What have we talked about over the course of the last few weeks? Over the last few weeks, if I can, sorry, make this work, we have looked at the nature of the Holy Spirit, how the Holy Spirit leads us and guides us. We've looked at the Holy Spirit's work in salvation in our lives, the fruit of the Spirit that the Spirit produces, and, of course, the gifts of the Spirit that He gives us in order to minister to other people and into other people's lives. Today, we are going to look at how we walk in the Holy Spirit. I I want more of those Christ-like fruit that we talked about. I want God to use my giftings in greater ways to make an impact on other people's lives. I want more of the daily, moment-by-moment leading and guidance of the Holy Spirit in my life. How does that happen? How can I walk in the Holy Spirit more and more in my life? How can I grow in Him? Well, before we get to how we can grow in Him and how we can walk more and more in Him, we need to recognize, first of all, that there is a war going on inside of every believer who is in this room. The Bible describes this war as being between the Spirit that dwells within us and the flesh, which is a New Testament word for that residue of sin that remains in our life after salvation. And the Spirit and the flesh are at war with each other in our life. There was no war before I placed my faith in Jesus because the Spirit didn't dwell within me. But now, believer, the Spirit dwells within you. And now you've signed on for a war inside you between the Spirit and the flesh. Galatians chapter 5 describes that war going on in us. It says, But I say... Walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. Can you see the war in this passage? Against, opposed. Can you see the war in your life? Can you see how it lives out day in and day out? Over the course of the last month, there have been many times where I have spent time with my wife. Some of the times that I've spent with my wife, I have been thinking about God. I have been motivated to love her and encourage her and build her up. In those moments, I'm walking in the Spirit. There are other times that I've spent with my wife where God has not been on my mind, where I've been primarily motivated by myself and the things that I want and whether or not I can get my way and all sorts of other things. During those moments, I've been walking in the flesh. And this war is going on inside of all of us, not just in marriage, in every relationship that we have, in every setting that we go into, in every decision that we make, there is this war going on between the spirit that wants us to go this way. Oh, how convenient. This way. Right? And the flesh that wants us to go this way, right? The, the spirit and the flesh, they are opposed to each other. They want me to go in different directions in every relationship, in every decision. Who do you want to win those battles? Right? If you're a follower of Jesus, you want the spirit to win more and more of those battles, don't you? When you wake up today, If I ask you, do you want to do what's right or what's wrong today? If you know Jesus, your answer is, I want to do what's right today. If we say, do you want to glorify God or do you want to live for yourself today? If you're a follower of Jesus, you're going to say, I want to glorify God today. 
Those are the desires. As a matter of fact, in this passage, it says, the flesh is battling the Spirit to keep you from doing the things you want to do. When the Spirit comes into our our life, He enlivens us so that we want to glorify God. We want to live by the Spirit. The flesh is at war with that. How can we see the Spirit defeat the flesh more and more in our lives and in our choices? Well, you may remember a couple of weeks ago when Pastor Jason was preaching. He talked about the fruit of the Spirit. And if we want to see more of the fruit of the Spirit in our life... It is all about abiding in Christ. Do you remember that from John chapter 15, verses 3 and 4? He said, if we abide in Christ, it says abide multiple times in that passage. If we abide in Christ, that that the Spirit will produce what? Not just fruit, but much fruit, the passage says. Right? Many much fruit the Spirit will produce in our life. If we abide... In Christ. The Greek word here is meno. It means to be strongly attached or woven together. I want us to recognize that if we want the Spirit to have greater and greater victory in our lives, if we want to become more and more Christ-like and bear these fruit, it isn't about working really hard to try and get the fruit. It is about growing deeper and deeper into relationship with Christ. And the Spirit produces the fruit in us. So how do we do that? How do I grow deeper and deeper into relationship with Christ so that the Spirit is winning more and more of these victories? So I'm walking in the Spirit. I think the answer to that isn't going to be a shock to you. It is about how we're using our time. How do we build relationships? We build relationships through time. And if we are going to grow in greater connection with Christ, it's going to be because we use our time to be with Him, to spend time with Him, as opposed to some of the other ways we might use our time. And Colossians chapter 3, which is going to be the main place that we land today, that's your cue, the main place that we land today, Colossians chapter 3, is going to give us some God-understandings about how it is that we can walk more in the Spirit. How can we draw closer to Christ and walk more in the Spirit? What does it take in our life? Verses 1 through 4 of Colossians 3 says this, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died... And your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Now, before we get into the details, I want us to see the flow of this passage, these first four verses, because there's a key word here at the beginning of verse 3, and it is the word for. There are commands in the first two verses like seek, verse 1, set your minds, verse 2. And we're told to carry out these commands for a reason. That word for means since or because. Carry out these commands of seeking and setting your minds because of the great truths that God has worked into your life from verses 3 and 4. Because of these amazing gospel truths that we see in verses 3 and 4. What what are those truths? What are the blessings that we see in verses 3 and 4? Well, how about this? In God's judgment, in God's courtroom, you are totally righteous. Colossians 3.3, 3, For you have died, 
And your life is hidden with Christ in God. You've died and your life is hidden. That Greek word for hidden means to be completely covered or cloaked. Now the, the righteousness of Christ is a covering over all of the mess of your life so that in the courtroom of God, what God sees is Christ's righteousness. In my little directional game, you, you are all the way over here in the courtroom of God, right? Completely righteous because of your own goodness, because of your own righteousness. No, because the righteousness of Christ has cloaked you. The righteousness of Christ is your covering so that God sees his righteousness when he looks at you. Uh, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. You've fallen short of God's glorious purpose for your life because of sin and rebellion uh, and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. That word justified, the Greek word means to be declared legally righteous in the courtroom. You have been declared legally righteous in God's courtroom. Why? It's a grace gift from God. It's not about you and your righteousness. It's about Christ's righteousness that is now a covering for you, that is a cloak over you. Uh, that, that, that's pretty good news. But the news gets even better in the next verse because the next verse says, when Jesus appears, our daily life will be totally righteous. Every, every thought, every word, every action is going to be completely right when Christ appears. When Christ, who is your life, appears. Right? He is our life. We sang about that. We're going to sing about that some more. You are our life, Christ. Then you also will appear with him in glory. Right? You're going to appear with him in glory. All have sinned and fallen short of the what? The glory. Right? There's sin and there's glory. And in your life, you're in sin and falling short of the glory. But now when Christ returns, because of the work of Christ, there is no more sin. For you, there is only the glory of being with Christ, fully made righteous before him. Every thought, word, and deed. Right? Can you imagine? That's hard to imagine, right? Uh, my thoughts and words and deeds, oh man, when I think about those, everyone loving, everyone righteous, everyone pure, everyone good. Oh man, looking forward to that day. But one of the things that the Bible teaches us is those who long for that aren't satisfied to say, ah, great, someday that'll be true. No, they want it now. They want it now. I mean, if, if, if righteousness and love and goodness and purity are what bring God the most glory and are best for my soul now, I don't want to just sit around and say, oh, well, someday that'll be true in heaven. No, we want it right now. We want as much of it as we can have in our lives. So that 1 John chapter 3, 2 and 3 says, Beloved, we're God's children now. When are you God's child? Right now, you are God's child. And when he, uh, I'm sorry, and what we will be has not yet appeared. So you're God's child, but there is something far greater that is yours in Christ Jesus. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him. Glory. Every thought, word, and deed like him. Because we shall see him as he is. And everyone, oh, this is so important, and everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. 
We hope in Christ. We look forward to this glorious day when every thought, word, and deed aligns with the Spirit's calling, when the flesh is dead. And John says, if that is so good, why, why would we wait? We would seek, we seek all all purity, all righteousness, all goodness now. All of it we can have. We want the Spirit to defeat the flesh over and over and over again in our life. Win those battles in our life. How do we do that? How, how do we do that? Well, we have to feed our relationship with Christ. We need to use our time and our lives in a way that feed our relationship with Christ. Or as I've put it here, feed the Spirit. Right? We need to feed the Spirit. Uh, go back to Colossians 3, verses 1 and 2. These are the commands of the passage. If then you have been raised with Christ, right? Are you, are you a follower of Jesus? If you've been raised with Christ, what do you do? Seek. Seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. As we're about to say, when it says things that are above and things that are on earth, it's not just talking about things that are up there in heaven that you can't see and things that happen to be around you on this planet. We're going to see in verse 5 that the things of earth are the things of the world. They are the sinful things. The things above, they, these are the things of Christ. The things of goodness and love and righteousness. And we are told we got to feed the Spirit. Seek the things that are above. That word for, the Greek word translated seek here, does not mean to seek in the way that sometimes I look for things. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I lost a sock in the laundry. Right? I, I know I'm the only one that has ever had that issue. Um, and there has been a, like a single sock laying on top of the dresser all alone. It's a sad situation. And yet, despite all of the sadness that that sock feels, I, I haven't really looked for its partner anywhere. I mean, yeah, I got socks out of the sock drawer and it didn't happen to be in there. But I haven't really looked because i got to tell you, the sock's not a real high priority in my life. i got a lot of socks. And so there has not been a lot of seeking that has gone on. I, I can remember a time when I lost my wallet. Very different reaction, right? Very different level of seeking. What kind of seeking happens when you lose your wallet or you lose your keys? It is a look under everything, look over everything, get other people involved kind of seeking. Like, come on, you guys got to help me. We've got to find this. Do you know how many calls there are to cancel things and get new cards, blah, blah, blah. No, we got to find this, right? That is the kind of seeking that is implied by the Greek word that's used here. It's an intense seeking that takes place. And we are to seek the things that are above where Christ is. We're to seek Christ and the things that are above. We're to set our minds. That means to, to meditate or intentionally focus on something. We're to very intentionally focus our thinking on Christ and the things above. Make sure your daily habits and patterns are constantly calling your attention to Christ and the things above. D don't allow yourself uh, to be distracted by the things of the world in your thinking. Don't allow patterns to creep into your life where the ways of the world are what are dominating your thinking. Right? We, we need to seek and have our minds fueled by the things of Christ. I, I have a car, 
That car is designed to take a particular fuel. I paid $2.99 for it last week. Oh, man, what a deal. It's like, sweetie, we are going out to eat tonight. Look at this savings. Unbelievable. Right? It is designed for gas. What if I decided that gas, even at $2.99, that's, that's too expensive, friends. I'm going to go ahead and just fill it with water. Water's cheaper. Right? Water, water's cheaper. Right? How is my car going to operate and function? Not well. Not well. Some of you may be able to tell me exactly what's going to happen. I, I'm just going to stick with not well. It's designed to work fueled by gasoline. And in the same sense, God has designed our closeness with Christ and, and the victories of the Spirit to be fueled by our mind being dedicated to Christ and the things of the Spirit. If we are fueling our mind with the things of the world, then we don't operate the way that God has designed to operate us as His, as his people. We're, we're to fuel our minds with the things. That's why Philippians chapter 4, verse 8 says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, Whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Devote your thinking to these things. Right? Psalm 119.11, the psalmist says, I've stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. In the Hebrew language, the heart represents the place of thinking and belief. And so the psalmist says, I have stored up your word in my thoughts and in my belief so that the spirit will win more and more of these battles and the flesh will not, so that I will not sin against you. I love the way 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13 puts it. 1 Peter chapter 1 in this segment is all about how we can live the life of holiness in the Holy Spirit. And it says here, here's the way. Therefore... Preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. L literally in the Greek where it says preparing your minds for action, it, it, it says gird the loins of your mind. Right Now we don't do a lot of girding of loins in our society. But in Peter's day, a fisherman like Peter when he was about to do strenuous physical labor, would take the long robes that they wore and he would tuck them up around the waist or tuck them into the undergarments so that he was free to participate in that strenuous hard work. And what he, Peter is saying here is, get ready your mind. Right? Focus your mind. Put your mind intentionally to work. Put your mind to work focusing on what? On Christ and the glorious hope of your salvation. This gracious, glorious hope that is our salvation. Prepare your mind. How, how do I win these battles so that the Spirit is winning more and more of the war and the flesh is winning less and less of the war? I draw close to Christ by dedicating my mind to 
to the things of Christ, to the things of the Spirit, by intentionally spending time with Him. If we're going to grow more in the Holy Spirit, we have to feed our minds, our eyes, our ears, the conversations we have. All of that has to feed the things of Jesus. And as we draw close to Him, the Spirit will win more and more of these battles. Now, now this is only half of what Colossians 3 teaches us. Feed the Spirit. The other half is that we got to starve the flesh. Right? Feed the Spirit, starve the flesh. Look at where he goes from, from, where, from what we looked at in Colossians 3. Put to death, therefore, do what? Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. There's the earthly, right? The things of the earth, we're about to see what those are. What is earthly in you? Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, the covetousness, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On accounts of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these, you too once walked when you were living in them. But now you must put them all away, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of Christ. We have a list here of sins or vices that are representative of the world, that are representative of the flesh. I want you to notice how similar this list is in Colossians chapter 3 to the list that Jason showed you in Galatians chapter 5 two weeks ago. These are parallel passages, Galatians 5 and Colossians 3. We have this list of the flesh. We have a list of the flesh in Galatians 5. We're about to get to a fruit of the Spirit list in Colossians 3. We had that in Galatians 5 as well. And what we see here are all of these sins and all of these vices, and the command is what? Put to death. Right? Put to death the passions that are in you that lead to these things. That's what we are to do. The bad news is there is no instantaneous way to put the passions of the world and the flesh to death. They have to be starved to death. Right? The passions of this world, those sinful impulses that remain in my flesh, they have to be starved to death. Which is why Colossians 3.2 said, set your minds on the things that are above, not on the things that are on the earth. Those things that are earthly have to be starved to death. That, that is our call. Put another way. Don't put junk in your mind. You can't live by the Spirit if you're putting junk in your mind. That doesn't go together. First uh, Peter chapter 1, verse 13, we just looked at, it goes on to talk about this. Therefore, girding the loins of your mind for action and being, what is the next one? Sober-minded. Set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Sober-minded. Literally, it means to not have an intoxicated mind. Now, now, one of the things that the Scripture is clear about is that as followers of Jesus, uh, our minds are not to be controlled or intoxicated by substances, Ephesians 5.18. But I don't actually think that's what this passage is talking about. 
I think this passage is talking about being sober-minded. Literally, don't allow toxins into your mind. Don't allow the poisons of the world into your mind. Instead, gird the loins of your mind for the things of righteousness, for, for the salvation of Jesus Christ, but don't allow the toxins and poisons of the world into your mind. Don't have that kind of toxin-filled mind, First Peter 1.13 is saying. The Holy Spirit is like a, a master chef in our life, and He is ready to prepare beautiful delicacies. And if over the course of our days, we feed him ingredients, well-baked breads, well-trimmed meats, sweet fruits and, and wonderfully ripe vegetables, then he makes this, this beautiful meal of our life, love, joy, peace, things like humility, compassion, goodness. But... If during our days we feed him old shoelaces, cut up pieces of car tires, yesterday's garbage, well, those are the ingredients with which the master chef is going to work. And it is impossible for us to day in and day out make our primary inputs garbage and expect to get the beautiful delicacies of the Spirit to come out of that. If we want the, the work and beauty of the Spirit in our life, it involves taking in the things of the Spirit as our primary input. It, it involves spending our time seeking after the things of Christ. That's why God says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Right, the renewing of your mind. Right, we, get, we have to start with the, what we're putting in our mind, through our eyes, through our ears, through our conversations. The Spirit uses these things in order to win these victories and produce beauty in our lives. That's why Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 and 8 says, Do not be deceived. You guys, God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption, but the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. God won't be mocked. It is absolutely impossible for us day in and day out to sow the things of the flesh into our life by what we are putting in our mind, by the way we are using our time, and then expect this beautiful meal of the Spirit to come forth. Right? That would be a mocking of the way that God set things up. It doesn't work like that. If we want the beauty of the Spirit, victorious life, it involves sowing in the Spirit. I want you to notice where this passage falls. Right? This is Galatians 6, 7, and 8. And if we go to the end of Galatians 5, what do we have? We have the list of the fruit of the flesh, and a list of the fruit of the Spirit at the end of Galatians 5. And it is just a few verses later that God wants us to understand. You can't get the fruit of the Spirit if you are sowing in the flesh. That's just not the way it works. He has designed us so we'll be a people who spend our time with Christ, 
who fill our minds with the things of the Spirit, and then He produces these beautiful fruit in our life. And they are beautiful. Look at what Colossians 3 says in the final verses that we're going to look at. Look at the beauty of the life the Spirit can produce in us. When, when we feed the Spirit, He enables us to put on particular qualities in our life. And those qualities include, listen to this, put on them as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. We have this beautiful list of things that we are able to put on if the Spirit is the one who is in control of our lives. If we are feeding the Spirit, it's things like compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, forgiveness, and above all, love. Love. I want to grow in these things. I want the Spirit to have greater and greater control over my decisions, over my relationships, over everything that goes on. I want these fruit to be more and more what show up in my life. How does that happen? How do I grow in those things? Well, we have to feed the Spirit and starve the flesh. Right? Feed the Spirit and starve the flesh. Set your mind on the things that are above not on things that are on earth. If I fill my mind, things I listen to, the things I see with the things of the world, I will not grow in the way that God has designed me to. I must fill my mind and my heart with the things of God. Right? I must abide, dedicate my, my, my time my attention, the focus of my mind on Christ, and then He produces much fruit in our lives. Right? Do you want that? I want that in my life. And if you want that, this is a daily life that we are being called into. But a couple of things that I would encourage us to do that can help us along the way. First of all, I'd love to have you join us in fasting this week. Dedicating a day to, to prayer and scripture and being with the Lord. Uh, there's a, a fasting guide that Pastor Kenny prepared that's outside on the Welcome Center out there. And I want to encourage all of you. That it's not set for a particular day, so you pick the day that is best for you. And just walk through that fasting and prayer guide, spending time with the Lord and being with Him. Second, I want to encourage you to spend some time with the Lord right now. Would you guys just bow your heads with me and let's spend a little bit of time with, with Jesus together. Abiding in Him. Would you start by praising and thanking God for the work that He's done so that the Holy Spirit can dwell within you. Praise Him and thank Him for that. Spend time praising and thanking God for the work the Holy Spirit has already done in your life. The beauty that He has already been working. 
Would you confess any ways that you have been feeding the flesh? Would you prayerfully spend time with the Lord asking Him if there's anything that you need to cut out so that you're not feeding the flesh? Would you spend time right now just praising God for who he is, for his great attributes, as you have had an opportunity to see them and understand them? Would you spend time giving Jesus thanks for the salvation that he has provided and the amazing inheritance that is ours in heaven because of what he has done? Focus on it. We've been preparing our hearts to take the Lord's Supper by recognizing God's goodness, His great plan of salvation. Areas where we have fallen short and the grace and mercy that can be ours through Jesus Christ. I just want to encourage you as we worship the Lord through song right now when you're ready to make your way to the tables that are in the four corners of the room where you can take a piece of bread and the cup and bring it back to your seats. And I'll lead us in the taking of those elements in just a couple of moments. But friends, let's continue to worship the Lord, prayerfully seeking Him, giving Him all thanks and praise for what He has done. Oh, He's so good. Let's worship Him together.